This is City IM Unregulated. I'm Catchley Morrison. On this week's show, what entrepreneurs can learn from toddlers. He, he cracked it against his head and obviously the, the gooey yellow went everywhere. Paul Lindley, founder of Ella's Kitchen. And then a chuckle in his voice said, Daddy, you tricked me. But I fell about laughing as well. And for one moment in his childhood, I was a toddler just like him. There's a tremendous amount of evidence that shows that play-deprived adults are less motivated and less energised. When we're worried about starting a business, we should take some inspiration from something like that and take the first step, because if we don't believe in ourselves, nobody else is going to. Hello and welcome to City AM's Unregulated Podcast. It's me, Deputy Digital Editor of City AM, Catch Morrison, taking over the helm from Emma this week. On the show, we're joined by Paul Lindley, founder of kids' food range Ella's Kitchen. Your daughter, of course, inspired your company's name and your son gave you the branding idea for Red Like a Fire Engine. But you think that kids can teach us even more. What can entrepreneurs learn from toddlers? I'm asked so many times what advice I would give to entrepreneurs uh, from the success of Ella's Kitchen. And ultimately what I say, maybe two or three things, but they all come down to think like a toddler because of that period over say a two-year period when we first learned to smile and to walk and to talk and to play we learn so many skills that are relevant to our adult lives so so just to pick three off the top creativity tenacity and determination that toddlers excel at okay so in your book little wins uh the forward is by richard branson he makes the point that growing up can be a trap um which we all know is true uh, he also follows up by saying it doesn't have to be. How would you advise that we avoid that the trap of growing up? I think our education and our society sort of always encourages us to conform, to fit in, to focus on the very short term, passing exams, getting a job and all of that sort of thing. Yet what we really value personally in life, things like relationships and job satisfaction, and what our companies are looking to do, whether we start our own or we're working for somebody else, is long-term, long-term sustainability, long-term growth. And so the idea that we grow down occasionally and think as we did once as a toddler opens up some of that free thinking, some of that imagination and self-confidence that they have for us to be able to think a little bit differently and think about different solutions. So I think that's what Richard was talking about when he when he, he um, uh, wrote the forward to my book. I, I think the other um, business person that I take great inspiration from is Walt Disney. And, you know, back in the 30s, he had this, this quote, which was that the, the greatest natural resource that we have is in the minds of our children. And he took that mentality built a multi-billion dollar business on the back of it. So two examples there of people taking inspiration um, from toddlers. So what is it about how toddlers think that we can learn? Well, toddlers are completely unencumbered by um, conformity, by rules. Um, they live in the moment, so they don't really think about what they did 10 minutes ago. They certainly have no idea what they do in the future which, for example, allows them to make um, quick decisions. Um, they go on gut feel. They have far less information to hand than we do, say, in our adult life. Yet they live in the same physical world we live in, yet see it in a more black and white way. So I think there's simple things like that. For some decisions, not every decision in your personal life or your mm -hmm. business, simplicity um, allows us to make a decision. In my view, a decision is always better than no decision. So that's, that's just one example. So is there something you would change about the education system that is there something wrong that you think maybe mm. kind of takes the creativity out of the way we think and gives us a need to fix things um i do um 
I write, I pick up on uh, Sir Ken Robinson's uh, famous TED Talk, the most watched ever TED Talk, where he uh, poses the question, do schools kill creativity? And my contention is all kids have tremendous talents and we squander them pretty ruthlessly. Um, so I want to talk about education and I want to talk about creativity. My contention is that creativity now is as important in education as literacy and we should treat it with the same status. Thank you. And in that talk, he talks about how um, for toddlers between ages three and five, 98% of them um, can think divergently, which is a sign of creativity. Now, that reduces as we get older to the point where we're 25 and only 2% are using uh, divergent thinking in their everyday lives. So 96% so of us all were once creative and no longer use creativity. That, I think, is um, partly being responsible because of the way we educate kids um, and parent them as well. So we're looking for the very short term of them to pass their GCSEs or to take A-levels and that sort of thing. Yet what we need as employers or what we need from entrepreneurs is creative thinking, is communication skills, is empathy, all of those sort of things which I touch on in my book as they are skills that we can learn from toddlers, but, but toddlers who were once us. We once did those things. We were once highly empathetic and, and, and astute to conflict that was going on around us. We were once so confident that we could just go into a room and command that room. Um, and so that's, that's really um, how, how I see it. I, I, I see um, skills we need for the 21st century um, are within us all, but they are often educated out of us. So wouldn't you say as well, though, that things like GCSEs and A-levels, they give you the kind of the goal-setting skills mm. that entrepreneurs also need? So none of, none of what I'm saying is ignore growing up, don't grow <laughs> up. I'm saying as you grow up and as you learn those vital skills, the STEM subjects, the problem-solving, all of those things that experience brings, um, you absolutely need them and you need to work hard at school. But what I'm saying is in, in addition to academic qualifications, what employers need and what entrepreneurs need to make their businesses successful are wider skills that, that we all once had that we aren't encouraged to use throughout school because we don't get a qualification from them. But our society absolutely needs um, and, and um, I'm saying don't, don't grow down 100% of the time. Find moments in every day when you can look at life through the lens of a toddler, a more simple, a less cluttered view of life, and you'll find yourself being more imaginative, self-confident and free-thinking. This leads to the point that most self-help books, they're about learning something new, whereas yours is more about tapping into something that people already know. You do mention in the book a kind of a reset moment where you can go back and kind of think as a toddler it's not that easy to grow down say grow down what does that mean well uh, what i'm trying to get is 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 to get people to feel as though they were a toddler again the the, the way i i think we can do it is find a seminal moment from our own toddler past um and, or if we have children from 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 our experience with them where you can put yourself in that moment and you can not only see the snapshot of that moment as, as the visual things that happen but you can feel the wind or smell the fire or the laughter or whatever those really get into a point where that was really important to you if you can get yourself into that mindset only for a few minutes say you, you're driving home and you try and do that and it's raining and the windscreen wipers are knocking the rain off and you might be irritated by that but imagine being yourself as a toddler the first time you ever saw rain and you heard that rain now little winds is really about those small things like that moment that can actually make you think about things in a different way that can bring big wins so it's uh, my message is 
for a few moments each day, try and rediscover some of that look you had on the world that, um, that, that is within us all. Are there specific things that people can take, um, maybe office workers like myself? Can I say to my boss, like to make working more fun and perhaps a bit more, more like playing as you um, advocate in the book? There's a tremendous amount of evidence that shows that play-deprived adults are less motivated and less energised. And play, you know, when we were toddlers, that was our job, really, to play. And there's a paradox in the definition of what play is. It, it, it is um, to take an activity just for pure entertainment or enjoyment with no further purpose. Yet the long-term benefits of play teach us so many skills, whether that's spatial awareness, whether that's uh, collaboration, whether that's trial and error and prototyping, creativity, learning that there may be more than one way to get to a solution, all of those sort of things. Um, and if they're encouraged in a workplace, whether that's, you know, it could be set aside time to play or it could be more in the environment and the culture of a company that it is okay to play, that it is okay to experiment, um, even even to the extent that it's okay and it's encouraged to fail, to stick your hand up in a meeting and saying, why do we always have this meeting at six o'clock on a Friday evening? What is the point? And actually, I think, why, if we combine it with the one on Wednesday, we might get something better out of it. The confidence to be able to say that and know that, that you'll be listened to and the ability to um, feel as though failing is not something that is frowned upon in a business, but it's part of a journey to help learn and iterate and redevelop um, are all things that tie into play. And I'd encourage you to say to your managers and bosses and colleagues, if people are happy, if people are having fun in their lives at work... They'll be more motivated, they'll be more energised, they'll get what they're doing more, they'll stay longer and ultimately they'll make more profits to your company. Oh hey, as I've taken over from Emma Hazlitt with two T's this week, I thought I'd share how over at City AM we love podcasts. They are great. However, not everybody is on board yet. Shocking, I know. What we want people to realise is when people snigger to themselves on public transport, that's not simply weird behaviour, that's podcast behaviour. In fact, I love podcasts so much that on my way to today's recording, I was listening to the Desert Island Discs podcast. It was the episode with Lee Mack and it was quite amusing. So I was laughing my head off when a massive bee flew in my face. So I flapped around trying to get rid of this insect and I realised I've given some Londoner the laugh of their day. So we challenge you this week to tell someone why you love podcasts. Tell your partner, tell your dog, tell the person giggling next to you on the tube. Why not even tell your toddler? They have to learn sometime, and as today's show will prove, you might learn something back from them. What are your feelings on the smartphone? Is it a liberator or an oppressor, in your view? That's a good question, and I think it's both. The fact that we have... Um, limitless information at the end of our fingertips um, is fabulous. The downside of that is that um, I know, and it's in my book, that we are exposed to more information in one single day now, today, than our ancestors were in their entire lives in the 16th century, sort of 500 years ago. That's quite unsustainable. So the more we absorb, the less we may be good at... Um, at uh, getting into depth about things. Um, I've also heard that the average human attention span now is eight seconds. A goldfish is nine seconds. 
So all the information that's coming to us at the end of our fingertips that we're tempted to use all the time is making us having less depth. It also makes things instantaneous. So if we want to find out some research, we'll go on Google and it's there straight away. If we want to buy something, Amazon will deliver it tomorrow. If we want to watch something, Netflix will show it now. We don't have to wait for the cinema or the TV schedules. And if we want to go on a date, we just swipe right and it's there. (laughs) Yet the things that take time are the things that are of value in our businesses and in our lives. So job satisfaction, long-term profitability, um, personal relationships and trust within colleagues, all of that takes time. For example, um, what we've just done at Ella's Kitchen is um, ask people not to bring um, smartphones into meetings. Because what we found was meeting was set to start on the o'clock. It invariably started at five past. For the first five minutes, the people in the room would look at their mobile phones and and do stuff on them. They wouldn't talk to each other. Now, I'm an absolute believer that the real work is happens between the formal work. So people being able to talk to each other in that room about how's this project going, have you got that report in, how was your dad, how are your kids, all of that sort of stuff builds up relationships that helps cement together a team and helps get work done. So are you in favour of kids having smartphones or do you think it should be kind of, they should wait a while until they're a bit older? Well, it, it depends um, how mature they are and how how, how old they are. Um, I think they're inevitable, so we're not going to be able to buck trends um, in of itself. But I think, um, like like any of us, we've got to be able to teach them the responsibility and the accountability that they have from the, the benefits that they have from those phones. Um, so uh, it's not an undiminished good but it's not a bad thing either. We just have to balance it. Office systems like Slack, are you in favour of those? Um, that kind of encourages chatting all the time mm. almost. Is, so is that a good thing in your view? Well, I, I do think the more people talk to each other and crucially actually listen to each other. So Slack and any social media and everything, the, temp- the danger is that people are talking all the time and actually nobody's listening. So you don't get other points of view and you learn nothing. You just tell. I think they've got a huge place to encourage communication between people. But that communication has got to be two-way. And, you know, if we stop and think about it, the things... If we just talked all the time, we'd learn nothing. If we only talked to people who absolutely believed in us, we'd still live in a bubble and we wouldn't be exposed to contradictory points of view or other ways of doing things. So, um, again, like all of these things, they're a good thing and they're a bad thing. But net, I think, as we've done in our business within Ella's Kitchen and Paddy's Bathroom, it is to try and find as many ways you can get for people to listen to each other and interact with each other. That can be using technology, but it can also be like providing free lunches for people, provide clubs that people can do socially outside of work that we pay for because I absolutely believe as they're talking about a book in a book club or yoga in a yoga club they will delve into what each of them does in their day-to-day lives how they impact upon each other how our mission as a company can be better achieved by an idea that sparked out of sort of office hours in the club that the company's paying for Um, that can be done just as well face-to-face and in physical things um, but it equally can be done um, through um, Yammer or Stack or any of the other things that help communication between teams. Okay, so fun at Ella's Kitchen is like 
yoga. It's very easy to think, oh, fun means a table tennis table. Well, fun for uh, a group of people that maybe, you know, in their 50s that may be in a sort of office environment might be something very different. So you want to create an environment that makes them feel they want to be at work. It is a good thing for them to be there. They're getting something internally out of it as well as a paycheck. And if that makes them feel good, they'll stay with you longer. They'll be happy to work at, you know, uh, send an email in the evening or whatever it is that actually helps them fulfill their job. So if we could just talk a little bit about your career swap, because um, you obviously, you quit your job at Nickelodeon to start Ella's Kitchen. Mm-hmm. Why did you quit? The thinking was that I had an idea that I would regret if I didn't follow through and saw somebody else do more than if I left my job, did it and failed. So I thought I'm at a stage of life where I want something new. I've got an idea that I really will be upset if I don't find out whether it's, it's, it will work. Um, and that sparked something within me to, to, to try and do. So I think you should do in life things that you're passionate about and that you, that you love. And, and I'm a sort of person that likes to take a little bit of risk, evaluated risk and mix things up a little bit. And... Um, I guess I did what I'm saying in in my, in my book is I thought like a toddler and thought um, about the, the the excitement of the journey that I might be able to go on as much as I did about the consequences of the things didn't go right, which I'd evaluated, and I I worked out path less trodden was a better one for me. Okay, and you also so you you quit your job and then you spend a lot of time working on your own to get the business started. Is that how does that tie into the um, whole kind of childlike method? Mm-hmm. Well, that's where it gets balanced against um, the realities of cost and the realities of starting up a business. Um, I think one of the things, if I had my time again, I may have brought in a team earlier. I, I literally was a one-man band for sort of eighteen months, and we must have been turning over two million pounds or something by that time. Um, And I had the advantage of being um, a bit of a jack of all trades. I was a chartered accountant. I've been doing a marketing job for uh, many years. The the disadvantages of that is you maybe tend to be a master of none or you have to do all the jobs within your company if you're the only person there. And I was spending time doing some things that I was less good at than than other things that uh, I should have been spending more time on. But I think when you're on your own, you dig deep, you have that determination that is toddler-like. I set myself a very high ambition um, when uh, we launched the idea was um, that within 11 years we'd get to one billion tiny tummy touch points we call them which is one billion servings of fruit and vegetables to children that 11 years is up at the end of 2017 and we should do it in october november december um this year uh so really high ambition um and uh really went with it with determination and persistence um which are real toddler traits it's also true that that working with others and involving others are toddler traits, and I'm, I wasn't kind of in this, um, this this vacuum, just just me on my own. Although I didn't employ people, I was working with partners in the supply chain um, and and learning all the time uh, how to build a business. Okay, you mentioned you were a kind of jack of all trades, but you didn't actually have any retail experience no. before you started. Do you think that? helped you stand out from the crowd or was that something that you struggled with? Well, this again would go back to toddler confidence. Um, When a toddler, uh, I don't know, is asked to do a dance in a school play, they may never have done a dance before. 
many of them will get up and just dance and and, and do it and, and get it wrong and iterate and do it, do it again. Um, and the fact that I didn't have retail experience could have um, overwhelmed me. But I also think thought if I could put myself in the buyer's head and understand why they're taking the meeting, listen to them about what's important to them, pitch my proposition according to what they needed um, and uh, really looked at it like that, um, I could be talking to a buyer in television as, as I was in my previous life or any, anything else. So I didn't let it intimidate me um, and just thought about the human angles of people interacting with people. Okay, um, so you've mentioned, obviously, all the things we can learn from toddlers and how they can help you in business, but aren't they sometimes a little bit too confident, maybe too outspoken? Couldn't it all go a bit Alec Baldwin right. and Baby Boss? <laughs> well, what I'm saying, my message is sometimes grow down. Remember what you've learnt when you're growing up, but don't throw everything you learnt um, in those toddler years away. What it is not about in any which way is about being childish, about having tantrums, about just being unreasonable, of which toddlers sometimes are. I'm not saying delve that back and pick everything from your toddlerhood. I'm saying pick those things that you are less good at now than you were in the past that can help you now and you can get inspiration from yourself, not from somebody else writing a book to tell you how to do things, but going back within yourself. You shouldn't bash toddlers. Adults can have tantrums too. <laughs> What's your own favourite toddler story from, from your own memory or your memories of your inspirational children? Two great stories. One from my, my son, Paddy, from his second week at school, came home uh, really excited. His new friend, Natalie, had a boiled egg in her lunchbox and she opened it by cracking it against her forehead. And he thought this was amazing, never seen anything like it before. I said to him, do you want to do that tomorrow morning, uh, put it in your lunchbox? And he said, yeah. So we went into the kitchen, we boiled an egg, I, I cooled it and as I turned around to give it to him, I swapped it for an uncooked egg. And uh, I said, show me how you do it, Let, uh, let's have a practice now. So he he cracked it against his head and obviously the, the gooey yellow went everywhere. Now, he was quiet for about three seconds and then a chuckle in his voice said daddy you tricked me but I fell about laughing as well and for one moment in his childhood I was a toddler just like him too I'd forgotten about the reports that I do in the evening or the phone calls I had to make or the mortgage or what we were having for dinner and all of that stuff I was just living in that moment where something incredibly funny had just stopped our lives and I remember everything that was going around me at that moment the the, the sound of the radio that was playing uh, the steam in the room the little football kid he was wearing, all of those things. And I, that's the point I go back to when I want to think like a toddler. There's an imagination now that that, uh, that is unlimited. Another story about a four-year-old, um, I think, touches on how creativity and confidence we can get inspiration from. Uh, a little girl, again, her first day at school, and her teacher asks the class to draw somebody that they love. And they all draw away, and the teacher comes up to this little girl, and she looks down, and she goes, ooh, what's that? And the little girl shows her really proudly and says, it's God. And the teacher says, well, nobody knows what good looks like. And she says, well, they do now. <laughs> and that confidence, so for a start, who are we to say that God doesn't look like whatever she drew? But the confidence to be able to be so sure of what you've done, we'll have the whole stories like that in of ourselves. Each one of us will have some story like that. And I just think when we're worried about starting a business or if we're in a job that we kind of no longer excites us and we're thinking about trying to find a new job or we're a mum about to return to work after seven years and we're all a bit unconfident about taking that next step. 
we should take some inspiration from something like that and take the first step really solidly because if we don't believe in ourselves, nobody else is going to. With thanks to our guest, Paul Lindley, and podcast producer, Jamie Wareham, this has been City AM's Unregulated Podcast. Hang about for this week's Twitter conversation, but also you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, or with RSS with your fave podcast app. Remember, email advertising at audioboom.com if you're a brand that wants to connect with our ABC1 millennial audience. Keep loving podcasts. Tweet me at citycatch, that's city, C-A-I-T, and tell me your favourite. I love a good podcast recommendation. See you next week. City AM Unregulated is an Audio Boom production. Audio Boom.